Amen. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to the book of John, the Gospel of John, amen, the second chapter. Amen. What a great job, amen, by uh, the young man that preached a few minutes ago, Brother Ayala, I believe. Uh, what a tremendous job, amen, he did preaching to us the Word of God. Amen. By thankful tonight to be in the house of God where the Word of God can go forth. Amen. Amen. I want to begin just in the first verse. We're going to read a passage I know is very familiar. Amen. Beginning in the first verse, the Bible tells us the third day there was a marriage in Cain of Galilee. The mother of Jesus was there and both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto them, they have no wine. Jesus saith unto her woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And after and rather, and there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews containing two or three firkins apiece. And Jesus saith unto them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them to the brim. He saith unto them, draw out now and bear it unto the governor of the feast, and they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called for the bridegroom, and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine. And when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. I want to read that ninth verse again. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and the Bible says that the ruler, the governor of the feast knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew. And for a few minutes tonight, I want to preach on this topic, what you don't know. Amen. What you don't know. The Lord bless you. You can be seated tonight. I take our attention to the second chapter of John, the record of the first miracle of Jesus. This miracle takes place at a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and it involves, of course, Jesus transforming water into wine. I'm certain that we've all heard this miracle in Sunday school, and likely we have heard the story preached in some form or manner. Rather than simply, however, looking at the miracle of the supernatural transformation, I want to put the spotlight on the supporting cast surrounding Jesus, that being the servants and the governor. Right. It is the responsibility in the context of the cultural times, it would have been the responsibility of the governor and the servants to work together to ensure the success of this celebration. Collectively, they were there to ensure that the wedding party and the guests were never at want for food to guarantee that the glasses and the goblets were never lacking for refreshment. A study of biblical times and culture would reveal that a lack of wine at such a feast was more than just a thirst issue. It was a reputation issue. The couple that was being married, if they failed to provide adequately for the guests that were there, it would have brought disgrace upon them, not just in that moment, but it would have followed them for the rest of their lives. They would have lived with a stigma of shame upon them for not providing for their guests. For both the governor and the servants, their employment, their livelihood, their reputation are wrapped up in the contentment and the satisfaction of the guests that are gathered. 
And we come to the third verse of John chapter two, and we find their primary role and the purpose of both the governor and the servants are being threatened when the Bible says they wanted wine, but there was no wine. We're likely familiar with this story as we know that Mary, the mother of Jesus, turns to the servants, or rather turns to Jesus first and simply says, they have no wine. And it is here as Jesus responds to the concern of his mother that we find this governor and the servants that are in community. They're in, they have the same mission, the same purpose, but it is here as Jesus turns to his servants and as his mother turns to Jesus, there is a contrast that takes place between the governor and the servants, and we find it illuminated. Because the Bible tells us that when the ruler of the feast tastes this water that had been made wine, the Bible says the governor did not know where it came from, but the servants knew where it came from. Amen. There is a contrast between the governor and the servants. Both experienced the same miracle, but the difference was the governor didn't know the source. Amen. And the servants did know the source. Amen. The governor did not know how the water became wine. The governor did not know where this wine came from. He didn't even know that this wine had once been water. He didn't know that it came out of pots that had been used for purifying. He did not know that Jesus was the one responsible for the wine that he was now tasting. He was uncertain of the source. All that he knew is that one minute there is no wine and the next minute the best wine I've ever tasted is being brought to me. But he didn't know the source. Writer, poet, and inventor Margaret Atwood is credited with the statement, what you don't, what you don't know won't hurt you. How many of you ever heard that statement before? But I would tell you tonight that Margaret Atwood could not be more wrong. Amen. When it comes to the miracles of Jesus, when it comes to the transforming power of Jesus, amen. When it comes to the ability of Jesus, amen, to take water and turn it into wine, when it comes to the ability of Jesus to take the broken and make it whole, when it comes to the power of Jesus to take a low down, destitute sinner and turn him into a righteous child of God, it does matter whether or not you know amen what you don't know will hurt you we're in a world today that does not know the source amen they don't know the source of healing they don't know the source of deliverance they don't know the source of strength they don't know the source of salvation. Amen. And the governor got it wrong. Amen. He did not know the source. But the Bible tells us while the governor did not know the source, I'm thankful tonight that there was another crowd in the room. I'm thankful tonight that I'm in the building with a bunch of people that we do know who the source is. Amen. I do know who picked me up when I was down in sin. I do know who reached down into the miry clay and picked me up and set my feet on the rock to stay. I wonder if anybody knows who the source is. Is there anybody in the room tonight who knows who the source of your strength is? Is there anybody in the room tonight who knows if it had not been for Jesus, where would I be? I wonder if somebody can stand and testify tonight. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me just in time. I was lost, but he found me. I was down, but he picked me up. I was drowning, but he rescued me. 
If you know Jesus is the source, why don't you give him praise? I wonder if anybody's got a testimony tonight. Any families in the house that the devil had your family divided, but Jesus stepped in and put it back together again. The world, right? The world will turn its music up and everybody will get out the, and they'll dance all night long, amen, over a, a drink they might put in a glass that can give them a moment of temporary relief from the stress in life. I think the church ought to be the loudest place you can go. I think the church ought to be the most happening place you'll ever be. There ought to be more dancing in the church than there is in the club. Why? Because I know the source. Somebody put your hands together right now if you know Jesus. The governor did not know, but the servants, they knew. How did they know? Because they had been there when the wine was just water. Amen. The governor wasn't there for that part. He just knew that wine showed up when he asked for it. But the servants had been there, amen, when the wine was just water. They had been there when it was nothing more than some purifying pots. Amen. They, they, they had been there when it was nothing. And then they had watched Jesus touch it. And what used to be nothing became something. I'm going to tell you, there ought to be a praise in the heart of every child of God. Amen. Because I was there. I was there when I had nothing to offer. I was there when everybody else was giving up on me. But Jesus reached down. Amen. And he rescued me. Jesus spoke and my life was transformed. We've got to be eyewitnesses. Otherwise, like the governor, we don't really know who the source is. That's sometimes why we don't worship. We don't praise, not because we hear the same music. We hear the same message being proclaimed, but we don't worship because we're not first, firsthand eyewitnesses. We haven't seen Jesus do it. We just, we just see somebody walk in and we see the condition of their life now, but we don't know what they were before Jesus got involved. Amen, I'm so thankful to be an apostolic. I'm so thankful. Brother Carson, every, every Sunday I walk into our, and it's not anything like this. Our church is not this, this big and beautiful. We're, we're just a, a, a great congregation of people. But, but every Sunday I walk in and I see Brett and Bridget standing over there. And I remember 20 years ago when the first time they walked into church. Amen. Their marriage was all busted and broken. And 20 years later they stand up and they give God praise every Sunday. Hey, you know what? I remember what they used to be. And I know Jesus was the source. He's the one that put them back together. Amen. And I see Captain James. If you ever come to the church in Lexington Park, you'll meet Captain James. And you'll know him. If you shake his hand, you'll know who he is because every bone in your hand will crush. And that's if he takes it easy on you. But I remember, Brother Carson, three years ago, Captain James would come to church and sit back there with his arms crossed and his legs crossed and his eyes crossed. And he'd sit there through the preaching and, and just intimidate. I mean, just an intimidating dude. I'd go up and try to talk to him and he'd just walk out the door. Amen. But I remember about two years ago, we put Captain James down in waters of baptism in the name of Jesus. And I remember when he came up out of that water and that tough old sailor was speaking in a heavenly language. And it doesn't matter 
If I'm preaching a terrible sermon or a great one, every time I preach, Captain James is going to take about 30 laps around the church. Hey, why? Because he knows who the source is. I wonder if there's anybody in this house tonight that's thankful to be a part of a life-changing move of God. I don't want to go to dead church. I don't want to go to a church where Jesus isn't changing lives. I want to be in a place where water is being turned into wine. If you're here tonight and you need a miracle, you came to the right place. I know tonight you look around you and everybody looks real nice. What you don't know is they used to be water. What you don't know is they used to just be a bunch of stone pots used for purifying. Amen. But Jesus got involved. And what he did for them, he can do for you. Come on, somebody let your neighbor know Jesus is still in the life-changing business. Servants know who the source is. The governor, the Bible says, did not know who the source is. And when you don't know who the source is, you do what the governor does next. He calls for the bridegroom. Why did he call for the bridegroom? Because he thought the bridegroom was the one responsible for this transformation. If we're not careful, even in the church today, we can become like the governor. We forget who the source is, and so we start turning to the wrong things. I thank God for good music. I thank God for a great choir, amen, for great musicians, a great band. I think we ought to do everything we do with excellence. But if we ever start to believe that music is the source that changes lives and transforms people, we missed it. Amen. Thank God for music. But Jesus is the one who changes lives. All right, about 50 of you believe me. I said it's not. I thank God for music, but music doesn't change lives. Jesus changes lives. I thank God for organization. I think we ought to be structured. And I, I commend your pastoral team for what they're doing. Pastor Carson, Pastor Lopez, I credit them for the work they're putting in place. And I believe, again, we need structure. God moves in structure. Amen. If you're anti-structure, you're anti-God. Amen. Because everywhere God does something, he puts structure and then he fills it up. But let me tell you, organizational structure is not what changes lives. Amen. Organizational structure is not our source. Let me tell you what our source is. Amen. It's J-E-S-U-S. It's Jesus. Our source is not charismatic leaders. Our source is not great oratory preaching. Amen. Our source is Jesus. Amen. Our source is Christ crucified. Amen. Our source Jesus. Somebody say that name, Jesus. Jesus. Something happens when you call that name. Come on, something, the atmosphere shifts a little bit when you just say that name. You don't even have to shout it. You just say the name, Jesus. Anybody ever had your back up against the wall? You're in a circumstance where you couldn't philosophize. I don't even know if that's a word, but you couldn't think your way out of it. All you could do is whisper the name of Jesus, and he came running into your situation. Amen. And he delivered you out of that situation. Thank God I know who the source is. 
We don't need guessing churches in 2022 that are turning to other things. Again, great music, love it. But if Jesus isn't the source of it, if the music that we sing is not pointing people to Jesus Christ, if the sermons that we preach are not pointing people to Jesus Christ, if our marketing and all of the things that we do in technology today are not pointing people to Jesus Christ, amen, then we're like the governor. We're calling for the bridegroom. When the bridegroom is not the one who turned water into wine, Jesus is the one who did it. calls for the bridegroom and he informs him thinking that the bridegroom was the source he, re, he, he informs him he says you made a mistake bridegroom he says you're supposed to serve the best stuff at the beginning and then when nobody's thirsty you buy the cheap stuff the guessing governor is saying this isn't the right time for new wine I mean, you don't bring out the new wine when nobody's thirsty. And when you don't know who your source is, you wrongly surmise what time it is. Amen. And we've got so many today propagating that this isn't the right time for revival. That nobody wants what we've got. Amen. Nobody needs the Holy Ghost. Nobody's thirsty for what we've got. I want to tell you, that's what happens when you guess wrong. That's what happens when you don't know who your source is. But if you know who your source is, it's the right time for the best wine. There's never been a time, better time for apostolic revival than right now. People are more thirsty now than they've ever been. People need Jesus more now than they've ever needed him. Let me contrast what the governor who did not know with what servants who do know what they do. The governor who doesn't know, he calls for a bridegroom. And he says it's not the right time. The circumstances are not right for the best wine. But servants who do know, they do what Mary told them to do. Mary turned to them and said, look, just do whatever Jesus tells you to. I'm going to tell you what we need in the church today is a baptism of just doing whatever Jesus tells us to do. Amen. I don't have to figure it all out. I don't have to put all the steps together. All I've got to do is do whatever Jesus tells me to do. Amen. I'm not here today to figure out if it's the right time. I'm just going to do whatever Jesus tells me to do. I wonder if anybody can believe with me for a revival in the Northeast. Where's Brother Mac at? Brother Mac's from up in the Northeast. He talked about a little bit in his opening statements about how difficult it is up there, but I believe it's the right time for a revival in the Northeast. I believe it's the right time for a revival in New York City and a revival in Boston and a revival in Washington, D.C. Amen. Anybody can believe with me tonight? We don't just need churches growing in Indianapolis. We need a revival in the Northeast. How are we going to get that kind of revival? We need a bunch of people that do. We'll just do whatever Jesus tells them to do. Stop trying to figure out if people are thirsty and just bring water to Jesus. Stop trying to figure out if people want what we've got and just do what Jesus tells them to do. Let me raise your hands right now. Come on, young men and young ladies here at IBC. You came because you're hungry to do the work of God. I want to tell you, don't let the enemy convince you it's not the right time for God to raise you up. 
Don't let the enemy convince you it's not the right time for a move of God. I just want to tell you tonight, do what Jesus tells you to. You've got pastors and you've got leaders in your life to help you find that path. But just do what Jesus tells you to do. Hallelujah. Say, well, that's good. Preach to those young people over there. Let me preach to some elders as well. I don't know where this business about I'm too old to do a work for God came from. You got a lot of biblical texts to argue with. Amen. I don't, Moses was what, 80 years old? Is that right? Amen. Abraham was what, 90 something when he had a child? 99, is that right? Amen. These were elders. My dad, this morning, I was talking to my dad. He's 73 years of age. Amen. And my dad said, he said uh, to me, son, I'm not too old to dream, am I? I said, no, dad, you're not too old to dream. We need our elders dreaming. We need elders that will do whatever Jesus tells them to do. Don't quit if you still got breath in your body. Amen. He's still the God who turns water into wine. Somebody stand on your feet right now and lift your hands toward heaven and say, Jesus, I just want to do whatever you tell me to. That's what servants who know who their source is. The proof that you know that Jesus is the source is not just that you show up to church on Sunday. There's pagans that go worship their gods on Sunday. There's people that are atheists that go and worship their gods on Sunday. Just showing up at a building is not evidence that you know who the source is. Amen. The bumper sticker on the back of your car is not evidence that you know who the source is. Let me tell you how the evidence is when you get an obedient spirit. Amen. And you say, Jesus, I'm just going to do whatever you tell me to do. If everybody that's in this room tonight would get a convinced spirit like the servants and say, Jesus, I'm just going to do whatever you tell me to do. Pastor Carson, this building is not big enough. All your daughter works are not big enough. You better start planning some more because there's not room enough for what God is about to do. Want to know how convinced these servants are? I, I'm a, there, there's evidence. You can see evidence in people that are really convinced. Hallelujah. You got to tell them to go home when church is over. I mean, settle down a little bit. Stop worshiping so passionately. Jesus tells these men, he says, fill the water pots up. He doesn't tell them how full full is. He just says, fill them up. He leaves it up to them to decide how full it is. But these servants are so convinced of who Jesus is, that he is the source, that the Bible says they filled them up to the brim. Amen. They couldn't fit another drop of water in there. It was pouring over the sides. Amen. I don't want to be one of those that halfway full is full enough for me. I want to be filling it up to the brim. Oh, God, I want you to use me. God, use me completely and totally. Musicians could come. I told you I'm not going to preach too long tonight. I gave some of my time to my daughter. Wasn't that a beautiful song? What would happen if everybody in this room, not just the pastoral team, not just the ministers, not just the preachers and ministers in training, but everybody in this room, whatever Jesus told you to do, you did it to the brim. 
If he said, I want you to give a sacrificial offering tonight. Amen. You didn't give him some leftovers. You filled it up to the brim. And I'm not taking up an offering. I'm just saying whatever Jesus tells you to do. If he said, take a lap, take two. If he said, teach a Bible study, teach two. If he says start a P7 club in your high school, start two. I'm going to fill it up to the brim. If he says worship, I'm not putting one hand in the air. I'm putting both hands in the air. If he says praise, I'm not going to do a little two-step. I'm, I'm going to dance before the Lord like David did with all of my might. Why? Because I know. The last point that I would look to in the scripture is this governor doesn't know who the source is. Doesn't, doesn't come to the right conclusion of the source. He calls for the bridegroom instead of Jesus. He gives credit to the wrong places. And when the miracle is done, if, if anybody that was in this miracle should have been convinced of who Jesus was, it should have been the governor. Brother Sleeve of the governor, the only, only evidence I see, the only person who tasted the wine was the governor. The disciples were there. The Bible says they watched the miracle. But the governor was the one that tasted the wine. If anybody should have been convinced, it should have been the governor. But I don't find any other record in the scripture of the governor being there when Jesus fed the 5,000. There's no evidence that he was there when Jesus took that little maid by the hand and raised her up from the dead. There's no evidence that the governor was there when he said, Lazarus, come forth. No, all that I can see the evidence in the scripture is when the miracle is over and the water has been turned into wine, the governor goes back to his house because he wrongly concludes that this is the end of Jesus' miracle. It's over now. He did his thing. The water has been turned into wine. I tasted wine and he goes back about his way. But there were disciples in that room that day that they saw this miracle and the Bible says because of what they saw, they, they, they believed on him. They followed him. And they were there when he took the, the fish and the loaves and he fed 5,000. And they were there when he took that little girl by the hand and raised her up. And they were there when he did all of his wonderful miracles and they saw him walk on water. Why? Because they knew who the source was. Amen. They knew who the source was. And, and, and here's what the Bible says. This was not the end of miracles. Those of you that think apostolic revival is over. You think that the best years of Calvary, and I, I, don't mean any, this, I don't mean anything bad to the history of, of Calvary. What a great history. What a great legacy this church already has. Amen. Pastor Ursh and Pastor Mooney, I honor those men. Pastor Larson, I honor those men. They are heroes of the faith. I think it would be fitting right now if we gave a hand to those men. But if you think that is the end of revival, if you think that's the end of the miracles, if you think the best days of Calvary are over, I've come to tell you tonight, this is just the beginning of miracles. This is just the beginning of what God is gonna do in this city. This is only the beginning of what God is gonna do. I wonder if somebody believes that right now, would you raise your hands with me? Don't be like the governor who goes back home and says, oh, the best years of Calvary, what a great legacy we have. Oh no, you don't understand, the best years of Calvary are about to unfold. 
The best years of IBC are yet to unfold. God is doing it right now. But don't go back home like the governor. Become a believer and follow Jesus. I wonder if anybody believes that with me. This is not the end of miracles. Great, great pastors and preachers have graduated from IBC. Thank God for them. It's not the end of it, is it? This is only the beginning. The best days for the apostolic church are ahead of us. Amen. The greatest revival this city has ever seen is ahead of us. Do you believe that tonight? Well, Brother Staten, how can you say that? Because I know who the source is. And I still feel his presence here on a, on a Sunday night. Come on, lift your hands with me right now if you know who the source is. We're not guessing here tonight. We're not walking here tonight saying, I, I don't know who the source is. I don't know where this came from. We're not here tonight saying, I don't know. No, we know who the source is. We are first-hand eyewitnesses that God can do anything. I say to this church, get ready. I'm not just speaking some kind of hyperbole. I'm telling you what I feel in the Holy Ghost. Get ready. I need somebody to help me right now. I said, get ready. This is not the end. It's the beginning. Pastor Carson, get ready. This is just the beginning. I know this last year has been exciting, but it's not over. This is only the beginning. Raise your hands with me right now. Jesus, you are the source. Oh God, we thank you for great music, but music is not our source. God, we thank you for great leadership, but God, leadership is not our source. God, we thank you for this beautiful edifice, but God, buildings are not our source. God, thank you for everything that you blessed us with, the technology, but God, technology is not our source. But I've watched you take water and turn it into wine. I've watched you take the broken pieces and make something whole. Oh, Jesus, I know that you are... That's it, with hands raised toward heaven right now. I want somebody to speak faith. I'm going to follow Jesus. Don't be like the governor. Don't give up. Don't quit now. Don't, don't look in the rearview mirror at what God has done. Get your eyes ahead of you. The fields are wide under harvest. There's young men standing in this altar right now that God is going to use you. Young ladies, God is going to use you in ways that he's never used anybody before. God is going to use you. All around this room, let's just begin to lift up the name of Jesus. The Spirit of God is moving right. It's the, it is the right time. It's the right time for the best wine. It's the right time for the outpour. It is the right time. Our world does need what we've got. They are thirsty. They are hungry. They are searching. They are listening. Their ears are listening for somebody who has a word of faith.